Hi, Rabbi Rashi Simon here with a Shabbos message for all my friends at Kesher and beyond. This week's Torah reading begins with the words Re'ei Anochino Sein Lifnechem Hayom Bracha Uklala. See, I present before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessings that you hearken to the commandments of Hashem your God and the curse if you do not obey the commandments and you stray from the path that I command you today to follow gods of others whom you did not know. My friend for the year, Rabbi Moshe al-Sheikh of the Golden Age of 16th century Tzfat, offers a close analysis of this passage. He notes that the Torah describes the blessing as ensuing from hearkening to the word of Hashem, without spelling out the implications of that attentiveness. However, in describing the curse, the Torah says, V'haklala imlo sishmu, if you do not obey the commandments, and you stray from the path that I command you today to follow gods of others whom you did not know. Why is hearkening alone apparently the key to the blessings, but in the case of the curses, the Torah implies that the dire consequences follow only upon straying from the path, following other gods, etc.? He answers with reference to the Talmudic teaching that one who seeks to purify himself is assisted from heaven in doing so. However, one who seeks to defile himself is merely accommodated. In the words of the Talmud, The actual transgressions and degeneracy which follow depend on one's continuing choices to defile oneself. And if so... He has no one to blame but himself for doing so and the consequences which follow. However, since one who aspires to purity or any form of self-improvement is assisted from heaven in pursuing his path, the blessing which one earns is substantially for the initial listening. The spiritual achievements which follow are the product, at least in part, of divine beneficence. But the credit for listening in the first place is yours alone, and for that the reward is great. Since our parasha contains many of the laws relating to kosher food consumption, I will illustrate the insight of Al-Sheikh with the following reminisce by a Californian who later moved to Boston named Chana Geshelin, in her own words, The root of every Jew who becomes observant is unique. My journey began at a large Iowa university with a minuscule Jewish population, where during my freshman year in 1964, I was the only undergraduate female who identified herself as Jewish. Among my roommates during my first term was a junior taking a child development class on cultures. She decided to research Jewish culture because she had a ready-made resource to interview, me, Growing up in a Reformed family, I didn't actually know much about Judaism, but I did my best to answer her questions. The relief that I felt when she finished questioning me was short-lived, however. Every term after that, the child development professor gave my name to the cohort studying Judaism. To meet this challenge, I would have to learn something about my heritage. With the help of a book on Judaism from the university library, I managed to get through the questions during the winter term. Then, in the spring term of my freshman year, I met Janet. Janet was a Southern Baptist from a small town in Iowa. Like many students at college, she came from a family for whom church was a major focus. Her beliefs guided her behavior in all aspects of her life. I was the first Jewish person she'd ever met. She told me that she had chosen to write about the Jewish culture because she wanted to learn about the origins of her faith.
could she come with me to synagogue? The town had a small Reformed congregation that met Friday evenings in the parlor of one of the churches. I agreed to take her, and as we strolled through the quiet streets, she asked me about my religious life. Where do you eat? she asked suddenly. Mystified, I gave the name of the dorm dining hall. How do you manage? she asked. What do you mean? I just eat. With an edge to her voice, she said, How can you just eat? We get ham, pork, or shellfish three or four nights a week, and most of the rest of the time there's meat and milk at the same meal. Oh, I said confidently, you mean kosher. I'm reform, and we don't keep kosher. You don't keep kosher? But from everything I've read, kosher is one of the cornerstones of Judaism. Why don't you keep it? I shrugged, I don't know, we just don't. Janet stopped and turned to face me, hands on her hips. I can still picture her standing there in the light of a street lamp, dressed the way she would for church, in a navy suit, a small white hat, and white gloves. She looked me up and down as though I were a bug on a pin. Then she said words that still reverberate through my mind. If my church told me to do something, I'd do it. In the long silence that followed, I rolled the words over and over through my mind. If my church told me to do something, I'd do it. My complete transformation from a secular to a Torah-observant Jew took many years and many more lessons in faith, but my first big step began that Shabbat night when a Christian girl challenged me to stand up and act like a Jew. This is Chana's story, and this is the blessing, according to Al-Sheikh, which the Torah says follows from the initial hearkening to the commandments, even if the inspiration derives from a quiet Friday night in Iowa. Have a wonderful Shabbos.